This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, up front, up close, and rich with life lessons. Debbie Travis, warm, wonderful, drop-dead gorgeous, a world-renowned lifestyle pioneer, home designer, television star, best-selling author, builder of a hugely successful brand and business empire, and the host of spectacular and life-affirming Italian getaways. She brings joy to everyone she meets, joy to those she welcomes to her Tuscan retreats, joy to her fans and followers, joy to the world. Now she is sharing her path to happiness on a much broader scale and yet in a very personal way with her new book, Joy, Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa. Debbie Travis joins us now from Italy. Debbie, welcome to the show. It's so great to hear from you again. Well, it's so wonderful to speak to you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Joy, Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa. In the dictionary, the word joy, the meaning of joy is quote, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, end quote. Is that what joy means to you? I think it is. And it's something that often uh, kind of drips away from people. It's kind of all linked in with happiness and passion. And, and, and people often say to me, you know, I feel like, you know, my life, it's just drained away, you know, through family and, and work and, and everything that is thrown at us. And, you know, the, really the elements for me are the kind of what I'm bringing from Tuscany is kind of eat well, laugh more, love most. And that's a very famous Italian saying. And in Italian, it's, this is the best Italian I can come up with, but mm-hmm. mangi bene, ridi spesso, animolto, which is beautiful. You know, eat well, laugh more, love most. And it's kind of what we all want, isn't it? I love it. And so I have to ask you this. What's been the most important life lesson that you've learned so far and why or how has Villa Reniella influenced you, your Tuscan villa? Well, it's it's not so much the the, the bones and mortar of, of of this villa. It's it's the way I feel, and all the guests who come here feel. You know, when we do these kind of retreats, it's it's about um, what we're taking from the locals. And it's not so much that it's Tuscany; it's really how our grandparents lived, and it's something that has kind of gone in many of our lives. You know, because of. Uh, you know, the way we drive everywhere instead of walk places, community has kind of, we, you know, dribbled away. And, and these villages are ancient and they're full of tradition. You know, the Italians, if anything, love their traditions, but they're doing something right because this area where I'm in, has one of the highest longevities in the world. So the average age in my village is about 88, <laughs> and, and quite a lot of 100-year-olds. Wow. Uh, but they're busy. They're out. You know, they're sweeping their doorsteps. They're chatting with their neighbors. And, and it starts when we have people come here, including myself. You know, you start looking at this going, you know, it makes you smile. And it, when you smile, you have joy. And, and then, you know, it's about the food and how they sleep and how they do things together and 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 it starts to resonate with people and then people say well how do i bring that home how do i bottle it i was really taken by the reasons that 
people should read this book. If you're trying to find a new purpose in life, if you're looking to regain your confidence, if you want to start something new, you want to turn over a new leaf in your relationship, maybe reboot your vitality, change your work life. These are things that all of us listening right now are going, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the, one of the, the big things in the book that a thread all the way through is vitality. And, you know, that's something that was robbed of us all last year. You were hardly feeling vital as you, you know, slopped around the house in your pajamas. And if you don't have vitality and health, you really don't have much. And, you know, we know that. So how do you bring in this level of joy um, it doesn't, you know, we're not saying every day you're running around grinning like a Cheshire cat. We'd, we'd be a bit weird, but we all want more of it. And it, uh, the more I worked on this book, it, it was three years, the more I realized it is simple. It is the simple little things in life. It's not about buying a Ferrari. It's not about that fabulous, you know, holiday. It's that simple, beautiful coffee in the morning and having it. And, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and she said, well, what do you mean by the coffee? And I said, okay, how, tell me about your coffee in the morning. She said, well, you know, I walk into a big coffee chain. I get my coffee. I get back in the car. I go to work. I said, okay, what if you gave yourself 10 minutes in your day, which we all have, you can find it. And instead of, you know, taking the coffee out, you do what the Italians do and you, you stop in the coffee shop, not with your phone, not with this, and just see what it's like to taste the coffee, chat to somebody at the next table, or just gaze out of the window and let your mind start the day. And that is just the sim, it costs you nothing, you know, 10 minutes, which, like I said, we can all dig up somewhere. And so there are these simple things that we try and take from a lifestyle that we know now is, is good for us. And, you know, walking, you know, you do, well, people come here and they go, do you have a gym? I'm like, a gym? Why do you need a gym? Yes. <laughs> you know, we're on the top of a hill. Run up and down these hills like the old ladies do 10 times a day. You don't need a running machine. So, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In other words, stop and smell the roses or the coffee in this case, and have a natural sweat, a natural endorphin release. Use what's there in front of you. Use what Mother Nature is providing to you. Well, it's exactly that. And, you know, I'm always very confused about, you know, the, the hormones and the, I mean, it's not my, my specialty and stuff. So I wrote this book also with a great friend of mine. I mean, we've been best friends since we were 18 and she runs the retreats with me and she's a, a holistic um, naturopath, nutritionalist and highly trained and she put the science behind it mm -hmm. so we all so and you know i'm the layman so i'm like i don't get that what does that mean so i feel that if you know she would explain it to me rather than in rather than in a scientific way but she'd explain it as a you know step by step and then i can put it in so there are these boxes throughout the book of i tell them why you know, how the, how the locals sleep and what, what are these certain things that they do? And then she explains why it's so good and why it's so bad to not get a good night's sleep and the actual kind of science behind it. And it's very much like, you know, she explains like, we understand what the runner's high is. Even if we've never had it, we've heard of it. You know, it means you kind of, you break through the pain kind of thing. And, you know, after 15 minutes, you get this sense of, of wonder, of a utopia. You, you, wow, you're, you're running, you feel great. 
But you also get that on things like a girl's night out. So when you go on a girl's night out, you, you're, you're all having a fantastic time and you're laughing and joking and you go home and you say to your partner, I don't know why we don't do this every week. That was the best evening ever. You know, there were 10 girls and we all just laughed and giggled and behaved badly and told stories and talked over the top of each other and drank too much. And, you know... But, it, but there's, a, there's a science behind that. Something happened to your body. Didn't, you didn't just feel great, but you were releasing. The cortisone was, you know, raging kind of thing, and something was happening. And again, if you understand why these things are good, um, you know, we talk a lot about things like um, forest bathing, which is a kind of fairly new thing for people. It doesn't mean stripping off and running through the forest. It's actually... If you're anxious and you're worried, one of the most easy things you can do, even if it's the local park, is just go out for 10 minutes and, and go and sit under a tree, go and touch a tree, go and feel a tree. And it sounds something like weird, hippy-dippy thing from, <laughs> from the 60s. But actually, there is a science behind that. There's a wonder behind it. So instead of dropping a pill because you're anxious, Try something that is, that is there, you know, right on your doorstep in nature or go and clip a plant. Get yourself a rosemary plant from the supermarket and trim it. And, you know, because you can't be worrying if you're doing that kind of thing. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It, <laughs> it does make sense. And, I, and the person that you've been speaking of, your longtime friend, nutritional therapist, who is with you at, uh, the, at Villa Reniella and, and part of the Tuscan retreats, that's Jackie Brown. And you two put together engaging and practical lessons. And you've already mentioned some of them from the book, like how to get a good night's sleep, rediscovering your purpose by by finding community. And I love this, Debbie. How to eat and drink like an Italian. Please tell me how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's about, you know, in Canada or America, you do it with the barbecue and stuff. Or you have festivals like, you know, we all know what Christmas is like. You know, for a lot of us, it's like, oh, it's so exhausting, you know. But we know what it's like to sit around a table with people we care about laughing and shouting and shout, you know, and just having a good time. And we know the opposite of what it's like to be alone. And we know that loneliness now, people are getting younger and younger and younger, and it's extremely dangerous. So the way the Italians eat is they eat in groups that you've heard of the long Tuscan table, which is what we do all the time here. And when I, I tell a funny story in the book about one of the first kind of little parties we had here, we invited, we made new friends and we invited about 20 people and we put, you know, the long table with all the mismatched chairs and, 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 um, a friend of mine was cooking in the kitchen and my husband Hans came running out and he's like, who are all these people? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, and there were people coming down the driveway with the, our architect who'd been invited. He's bringing his 85-year-old mother. And the 85-year-old mother had brought her pedicurist. And then <laughs> somebody else had brought that. And, and I'm like, what? So I go inside and the Italian friend inside goes, ah, no male, no male. You know, it's not, so if that happens, you know, in Toronto, you'd be like, no, you cannot come in. You know, well, what is this gate crashing? And we ended up with about 60 people, but it's oh. normal. And it's just, you know what? They said, we put on another, another thing of pasta. And so it's not about 
you know, drop the idea of having these big formal dinners. Nobody cares. What they want is a wonderful evening, you know, with plenty of wine and some nice food. And it, but it doesn't have to be something that you kill yourself over. And the other thing that they do, which I've embraced, you know, is the aperitivo. And people say, well, is the aperitivo, is that like happy hour? The only thing it's similar is that happy hour is the same time, you know, it's the, it's the end of the day. It's six o'clock till, say, 7.30. But the difference stops there because the aperitivo, whether it's in a bar or at home, is some nibbles, get yourself a French bread, slice it up, put some toppings on, you know, a thing of peanuts and stuff, and there's your aperitivo and serve some drinks. But the great thing about it is that if you're having a good time, people stay. And then you bring out a bit more food, you bring out the nicer cheese, and you bring out this and this. If they're boring or you want to go to bed, it's all over. It's normal. <laughs> you know, aperitivo finishes. So we actually don't do many dinners now. We just say, oh, come over for an aperitivo. And of course, they go on to one in the morning. But um, so it's, it's taking these simple tricks that, um, that this country does. And it has this, you know, this, this art of doing nothing, but it's an important art. You know, we're, we're programmed to go, oh, the art of doing nothing. Oh, that's not very, that's not very healthy. That's not very progressive. That's not very, it's not going to make me money, you know, but actually it's going to make you live to a hundred and healthy, you know? So, yeah. (laughs) You know, I've known you for a very long time. I'm speaking to a very different Debbie Travis from the one that I knew who was so hardworking here in Canada. You're hardworking in in Italy. What has changed about you because of your new life in Italy? Well, now I'm putting toilet rolls in people's rooms. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's not as glamour or chasing the wild boar off in the morning. Um, you know, look, I talk a lot about next chapters, um, and it's not always that easy. And, you know, you have to bridge one life to the next. And, you know, one stress, um, you know, is repeated in a, just a different way. But, you know, it's it's a better type of kind of stress. And it's funny because, you know, it was a big, it's a big chapter in the book, Stress, and there's no word in Italian for stress. Hmm. doesn't mean they don't have it, but it's not a prime thing for them and because they solve it in other ways. You know, it, their stress is, oh, mama, you know, not that pasta again. We had ravioli yesterday. I know that, you know, it, it, that's where you hear them screaming and shouting. It's usually about food. <laughs> um, but, you know, so... Life is good, and and I love the television world. I, you know, I was in it from the age of twenty five at the BBC, and 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 I, I love everything about it, and and I loved my audience and stuff. Now I get to meet them, and I get to share stuff with them, and 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 I feel really good here. You know, my skin glows, my you know, my eyes are bright. You know, my husband's the same. We feel you know younger, and I don't know if it's doing what we we love because I, you know, I loved everything about the other world, but we're much healthier. Uh, we walk more, we move more, we, we communicate more with people. We have a community um, and we've made a community because when you move to a new place and, you know, at 29 or something, I moved to Canada and I didn't know anybody. And I remember then making, you know, sobbing as a young mother, not knowing people, thinking, well, I'm going to have to do this on my own. So you create community, and it's not easy to knock on doors, but you you make yourself do it, and bit by bit, 
you form friendships and things. And so we've done this here because, A, I don't speak Italian. I'm a disgrace, I have to say, um, and stupid. But, you know, I've, I have tried. <laughs> but, so we ha- but we have lots of other friends. And, and I manage to communicate, even if they're Italian, you know, just waving and gesturing and stuff and nodding a lot. Um, but you, make, but you, you create communities, and, and that's something we have to fight to get back. You know, you form your own. So it may not be the community that your granny had, um, over the back fence in a t- you know a tight world, it's different if you're in suburbia and everybody's in the car. It's different if you're in a you know a high rise in condos. So you have to make the effort and and knock on your neighbour's door and say, listen, I'm making pasta. Do you want to come and help me and have some fun? Yeah, don't be afraid. You know, yeah, somebody may shut the door in your face. But most won't because everybody's in the same boat. I am inspired just listening to you. The book is oh, the book is joy, life lessons from a Tuscan villa. You bring so much joy to all of us, including me. And I, I thank you for being you, Debbie Travis, and thank you for joining us in conversation. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. When we come back, the currency of gratitude. This is in conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. From Debbie Travis and Joy, Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa, to Michelle Bailey and her book, The Currency of Gratitude. Michelle is a powerful force in business and marketing. She's the founder of The Blazing Group, highly successful, and the creator of a razor-sharp branding concept, My Big Idea. She is the daughter of a Haitian-born physician and a French-Canadian homemaker. The family moved often, but always seemed to find its way back to Haiti for strength and inspiration. Michelle's parents taught her at a young age that the personal touch can mean the difference between good and great, that small gestures reap big rewards, and gratitude, its worth and its value, is priceless. The Currency of Gratitude is Michelle Bailey's way of sharing her many life lessons. It is a book that she hopes will inspire, ignite, excite, and energize. She joins us now in conversation. Michelle Bailey, what a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you for including me. Michelle, what were some of the challenges you faced early in life as a woman wanting to set the marketing world on fire? And trying to get through the old boys network was a really hard challenge. Trying to see and get myself heard with all the clutter going on out there was also a challenge because I was a creative chick who wanted to use a business case to create strategy using creativity to create strategy. Interesting that that's where your jumping off point is, but I want to go back back further to your life, as you were spending time in Haiti, you were influenced by really incredible parents. Resiliency, tenacity, and being true to your values will get you where you need to go in life. And don't let your dreams die. And where does gratitude come into all of this? And I moved around in so many countries, states, and provinces 
till I was until I was 18 that I really understood that when you are gracious and you appreciate people, it comes back to you threefold because I had no solid roots. So gratitude, you know, a lot of people see it as a, a way of giving back, a way of acknowledging that, that you are grateful. Some also see it a little negatively as, as a sign of weakness. Where do you come in on that? Gratitude for me has been my anchoring value throughout my life, and I have seen the value come back to me in such a compounded effect, both personally and professionally, that, Anne, I would say to you that it has enriched my life in so very many ways. No weakness, just strength. And the title of your book, The Currency of Gratitude, what do you mean by that? Gratitude is like money. When you invest it, it comes back to you. If you put the money in the mattress, nothing happens. The money is there when you go to get it, but it hasn't grown. So it's the same with gratitude. Invest it and reap the returns. How do you apply it, let's say, first to your business life, to one's business life? Then we'll delve into the personal. I do it in a variety of ways, Anne. I do it by letting silence do the lifting with people. What that means is actively listening without waiting to answer and get a chance to talk. I give space to let people be. I am empathetic. I try to connect people to others. And I do little things to show that I care and I pay it forward. And I also write a lot of notes and cards, and deliver them through snail mail to people. (laughs) Business is often thought of as cutthroat, and some of the people who are in business are thought to be ruthless. Where does your attitude about gratitude come in play? For me, Anne, it cuts through barriers. At the end of the day, we are all people, And all people like to be appreciated in some way, shape, or form. And knowing that we are all different, but to find the human element, and that's appreciation and gratitude, has made a huge difference in my professional life. And let's talk about your personal life. How does gratitude encourage a a better, deeper meaning to life? You know, that sounds so highfalutin, but a lot of people are are turning inward, particularly because of the pandemic and looking at their, their, you know, their values and how they are going to now move forward as we move out of the pandemic? Well, for me personally, when you start to express gratitude repeatedly to people, especially because we've become so inward, it makes a difference. Let me give you an example. There is the practice of gratitude, of being appreciative of three great things that happened in your day. And while I think of that and gratitude journals are wonderful, my quest is to show people how if you push gratitude outside of yourself, you have a much bigger, stronger, and better chance of creating sticky and long-lasting relationships in your personal life. So give me an example of it, how it truly works. So you're having a day, whether it's your personal day or your professional day. How are you 
telegraphing this gratitude? Do you physically, verbally say it to the people you're working with or your clients or your loved ones? Do you, you said you write thank you notes, but how, how do you show gratitude without it being sort of milk soppy? And let's go back to positive energy. I have said throughout the pandemic, when you are having a really great day, you have a moral obligation to pass that energy along because we were all suffering differently and in our own way. I would call people. I would write notes. I would send emails. I would set up virtual lunches on Zoom. I would do whatever I needed to do to pass along that gratitude. And I thought that really helped not only me, but many other people in my life during these challenging uh, year and a half. And have you noticed a, a difference in your business because of this gratitude that you show? And uh, in the 26 years I've been an entrepreneur, gratitude has always been my uh, uh, standing value. I have lost and regained three major accounts, some multiple times through several CEOs, and I believe I owe that all to gratitude and how I've expressed it to these clients over the course of time. In the book, you have seven writing prompts that help show your appreciation uh, for the most important people in your life. And so here's an example. You, you say to yourself or you write down one word that describes you is, the next would be, you came into my life, fill in the blank. You bring me joy by, fill in the blank. You contribute to my life by, again, fill in the blank. So are you writing these for yourself or, or are you writing them to send to the people you want to show gratitude toward? And I have sent over 300 of those cards answering those seven questions to people, both personal and professional in my life. I hopefully, I like to deliver them face to face because when you read the answers to those questions, watch what transpires in the person's eyes that's looking back at you. They're overwhelmed, they're emotional, and they haven't realized the impact they've had on your life. But answering those seven questions says it all. And it has changed, enhanced, and built me stronger relationships that I could have ever imagined. And do you use these writing prompts in your personal life as well, Michelle? I use them in my personal life very much so. In my professional life, I might change them a bit because some of them are too intensely personal. But I will tell you, Anne, that I have a client who took my gratitude card with my answers. He framed it in a shadow box, and it sits in his office, and he tells his wife, I've made a difference in this entrepreneur's life. When you were putting the book together, so you're taking all of your concepts, all of your heartfelt hard work, and you're putting it into a book, what did you learn about yourself, and what did you expand in terms of your own understanding of the currency of gratitude by writing the book? What it, what it did for me, Anne, is it allowed me a vehicle to show leaders how implicit, easy, simple it is to express gratitude. And it's not just about note writing. I have many different examples, thoughts, and streams of consciousness and reflection questions to help people on their own journey of what matters most to the individuals in which they, they wish to be thanked. 
and uh, notes aren't for everyone, but let me tell you, letting silence do the lifting and being present and giving people the gift of time are also very important. So here's a quote. It's actually the last line of your book, The Currency of Gratitude. Here it is. Growing your personal and professional brands is not about acquiring the latest and flashiest technologies, having the most money, or rubbing the right elbows. It is about enabling human connections with gratitude as your currency. Gratitude is a game changer. And it's all about connections, Anne. The thing that we have missed the most during this last year and a half, connections to one another, because that's really what matters. I am grateful that you have spent time with us in conversation. I wish to show my gratitude by saying thank you for being you. And the book is The Currency of Gratitude. It is a must-read on a personal level, but definitely on a business level. Thank you, Michelle Bailey. Thank you, Anne. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.